This episode of Modern Manhood is brought to you by the Edmonton Community Foundation's Well Endowed Podcast. On this month's episode, they talk to one of the key feminist figures in the online world, Anija Sarkeesian, who you might know started Feminist Frequency, a place to critique gender roles in video games. Now, if you've been a listener of Modern Manhood, you might recognize Feminist Frequency from an interview that we did with our managing editor, Carolyn Pettit. Now, Anita's coming down to Edmonton in the new year, and I'm sure this interview with the well-endowed team is fantastic, as they usually are. So you should really go check it out. You can find The Well-Endowed Podcast at thewellendowedpodcast.com. That's again, thewellendowedpodcast.com. You're listening to Modern Manhood, part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Welcome back to another episode of Modern Manhood, an exploration of modern masculinity and the way it shapes us in the modern world. I'm your host, Herman Vijegas. Modern Manhood is part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATV, and it's also broadcast on gradio.ca. This show is supported by the APN and by generous Patreons, who donate as little as $2 a month to help this show keep the lights on. You can do the same by going to patreon.com slash modernmanpod. One of the major societal stressors of being a man has to be the constant pressure to be the breadwinner, to be the provider, the head of the house, the one who takes care of his family. Do you remember that scene from Breaking Bad? The one where Gus is telling Walt what it is to be a man. But doesn't that seem a little egotistical, a little self-righteous? I mean, who are we as guys to say that we will be the ones who take care of the family? I mean, why can't it be others? Better yet, why can't it be a team? This seems like a natural, straightforward answer, but yet the pressure to be the one who makes the most money and the one who gets the support rather than be supported is one of the most powerful measures in how we see each of us as guys. I mean, think about it. If you meet someone at a party, what is one of the first questions you might ask them? You know, after like, how are you doing? How do you know the guest? (laughs) It's probably, what do you do? It's a simple question that should require a simple response, but in it is the depth of understanding and how we value specific types of work in our society. And think about it if a guy asks this question to another guy. I mean, it's another opportunity in which to size up your masculinity. And regardless, if you had the best intentions, because maybe the party is super lame and you just want some good conversation, it's still kind of a interesting, but maybe worrisome request. It might lead to questions like, like, what am I doing? How much money am I making? Am I supporting myself? Am I supporting my family? Alex Pudisi, he's an entrepreneur out in Calgary who I wanted to meet because he started a program called 100 Men Who Give a Damn. It's a foundation in which 100 guys give money to different charities each year. But he's also a guy that tries to live and breathe vulnerability. I mean, if you don't believe me, go check out his website, pudisi.com which cites how many times he got fired, how many times he's gotten audited by the CRA, and if he has ADHD. By the way, he does. But through my conversation with Alex, we tease out one of his vulnerable spots, which is the role of a provider as a man, which is something that's kind of important. Along that, you also hear a lot of excellent advice and excellent expertise 
that he has as a businessman. So stay tuned for Alex Pudisi. To be able to talk to you in person, um, and I know you're like, you know, we should do this in person because it's easier for easier for uh, a connection. So I'm glad that we could do this. Um, you definitely have a history of, of being in startups and whatnot, um, and just working around the tech business. And uh, well, how did you start that, Fred? By the way. Oh man, the startup side, tech side, the whole thing. Well, I that's a good question. So. It probably starts with growing up, like like as a kid. And so I grew up on a farm in rural Alberta. And so it's like Where I've always... Rural Alberta, by the uh, way. Tabor. So if you heard of Tabor corn, that's a thing. So yeah, my parents would drive corn up to Calgary and like sell it over to like a hut on the side of the road and stuff. And so, yeah, that's something which I've always kind of been around the self-employed world of things. And so... In addition to the farm, they had a trucking company, and then when I was like 12 or 13, we moved to the big city of Lethbridge, which is <laughs> you know, like 100,000 people or whatever it is, and even there. So then my parents, they own a couple of businesses there, and so that's something where I grew up you know, on the weekends going into those businesses and helping them service equipment, or I would work... They owned a some like booster juice locations and so I'd go in and like be making smoothies and whatever and so that was always a thing that I was really around like uh, forever you know they never really had that I remember like somebody who they would report to it's like they were always their own boss and so uh, my first business aside from like a paper route was uh, in high school me and a couple of buddies started a company as a car audio so we would like sell and install car audio stuff to other kids in high school and we didn't know what the hell we were doing but (laughs) but we did it It you know yeah i made i probably actually before that i probably made my own my first business card when i was like probably eight or nine years old wow really yeah just like on my home printer and my parents like just i just printed it out and said this is my card so i've always been infatuated with business and i've been surrounded by it and so but my first like real, real company of my own was a security company. We did alarms and cameras and uh, swipe card systems and telephone entry systems for condo buildings and stuff like that. And so, uh, and the re- and the way that I got into that was you know for about ten years prior, eight to ten years prior, I worked for these different alarm companies in the U.S. and in Eastern Canada, and really kind of figure that there's probably a different way to do things, a different way to sell things. And so that's kind of where I got my start. It seems like you were attracted to being this kind of the self, self-serving self man or a self-person or self-starter almost. It seems like a very vulnerable state to be in, uh, to, to drive your own business and to uh, market yourself and try to sell yourself. Was that, was that a tough thing for you? That's a good question. I mean, in a lot of ways, it might be more that I just don't, like authority <laughs> it's it's so you know I'm like well i am a completely unemployable person right <laughs> and so i have almost no option other than to work for myself but you know it really is a vulnerable place and that's actually and we're i'm sure we're going to get to it later on in this conversation but a lot of my current venture uh and charity work is is built on the idea of vulnerability right and it, it is, it's something which it is, it, it is vulnerable, it should be vulnerable, but I think at the beginning, 
vulnerability was a complete weakness to me. And I was in an industry that was hyper-competitive, very male-focused right. uh, in the security industry. And it was all built on this idea of just like being better than the next guy and being stronger and more mentally tough. And weakness really wasn't one of those things that was allowed or looked favorably upon. You know, you always everything always had to be great. We were always recruiting other people to come work for us and so it's like everything always had to be good it was all about there was a lot of show to it uh, about the car you drove and the clothes you wore and all that kind of stuff so i think you know what looking back yes it would be something which was very i was in a vulnerable state but i wasn't really permitted or had an outlet to show it right did that allow you to be um scared at all when you were doing these kind of things I don't think I realized at the time, but that also, thinking about it now, could be kind of a strength where, and for me, I often ask myself, what's the worst that can happen? And that's how I justify a lot of things in my life. So if a lot of things are scary to me, or potentially scary, or difficult, or risky, or whatever it is, I'll ask myself, like, what is the worst thing that could happen? And you work it back, and usually... It's not that bad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Literally, worst thing that can happen, right? You work it back and it's like, okay, my business fails. So I declare bankruptcy. And I'm married to somebody who has a stable job, which is great. But let's pretend that she loses her job too. We'll probably just wind up moving back to Lethbridge and living in my parents' basement. And it's like, is that so bad? Yeah, exactly. Really, in the grand scheme of things, is that so bad, right? It's like, I want to see him. It's my dad's birthday yesterday, and I didn't see him yesterday. And it's like, you know what? It'd be, it wouldn't be so bad to see him on his birthday if I was living at home. So, yeah, I think it is scary a lot of time, but it's like, I think that allows us to, that gives us a strength to pull on, right? I think it's like fear and uncomfortability more than scary Yeah, is a good thing. We, uh, we were talking about that earlier today, actually. Uh, life lottery. For sure. You're right. I mean, it's like, I think that I live in the best city, in the best province, in the best country on earth at the best time to be living. It's certainly privilege, you know, and I think it's really important to acknowledge that and be thankful for that and, and pay it forward or whatever that is. Right. But it's like gratitude at the end of the day is, is, is what I believe to be a superpower of mine. When did you go into moving into these these uh, these startups and working through these things. It would have been around two years ago. I started another company called Work Nicer Coworking. Right. And so we're a co-working space, downtown Calgary. And we started, we incorporated two years ago yesterday. Nice. Yeah, nice. which is also, as I mentioned, my dad's birthday. So I said to my yeah. dad yesterday, I said, do you know that your birthday is also Work Nicer's birthday? He's like, really? So that was kind of cool that it just worked out that way, but... Uh, And we opened in December, so it's like technically we're kind of a month away, but that would have been the biggest time where it's like, you know what, we have a responsibility as a company and as an organization to support other people who are going through the same thing that we are. Right. Because, you know, we at that time, and even still now, we're only two years old, we're a startup. You know, we have 170 members, and they're all startups and small businesses, some tech, some not, and we have a real big responsibility to support them. Uh, as they go through the same journey that we're going through, I'm not a, I'm not a tech insider. I, my I, my career is in another place. Um, but 
I do read a lot of stuff on the news, and um, so from somebody who's on the inside, um, I would love to know your your thoughts on this because there has been a lot of talk about um, the equity and gender in tech businesses and uh, how it is a very male dominated industry, and it has. And that can cause a lot of problems. Um, do you see that inside as well, too? Yeah. You know, I think it is a largely male-dominated industry in tech. We at WorkNicer, not that we only have tech companies, uh, we have startups as well, but, you know, we're actually, we, we're about two-thirds male, and or 60%, something like that, 60% to two-thirds and we're really cognizant of that is that are we we need to be in an environment which is completely open and inclusive not catering to a specific individ, type of individual um, you know i think though at the same time part of it's going to depend on who you surround yourself with i think silicon valley is probably a lot different than a lot of other places when right. it comes to tech right I don't know. I think you back up and you kind of look and you, you look at Apple as a good example. So I don't know if that's startup, but it's certainly tech. They they take a lot of very specific strides and are very transparent in a lot of reporting about diversity. I think it's going to, in a lot of ways, it kind of comes down to who you surround yourself with. I think that there's going to be certain people and places that are less open or agree less with your individual values than others. And... You are in control of either your situation or how you react to it. And so I think you should probably change one of those two things if it's in a situation that's not fair. And obviously that's easy for me to say, really. But I just think part of it comes down to don't don't let somebody else have like don't give them that control. Don't give them that power. Right. Right? That's right. not your that's not fair to you. Yeah. Uh, just because they're being an asshole or like they're being unfair or they're being close-minded, right? It's uh, at a certain point, it's like you know what, you can only do so much. Don't give them that authority. Have you seen any sexism in either businesses or or um, the tech and your startups in general? There's some, yes. That being said. I also make a point of not surrounding myself with people that I don't like. Yeah, fair right? enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and again, I think it, it's really interesting, like, for me to be talking about it because I'm the kind of per- I'm just not going to see it as much as somebody else because I'm not going to be subjected to it, you know. And so I think that that is something which may I should probably do better at and be more hyper aware. But at the same time, I think. I'm a pretty reasonable read on people from an intent perspective. And I think if you're an asshole in one area of your life, you're probably going to be an asshole in another area of your life. And I just don't like to associate with those people. And I think that's important for people to kind of recognize. Um, I, I love the, the co-working aspect. And I think that's a, that's a really cool thing. And it's very, uh, very 2010, very almost like, very millennial type thing. Even we've, it's I, I've just seen it happening lately in Edmonton, and I think it's really cool. Why do you think co-working works? Like, why why is it such uh, this thriving industry? I think at the end of the day, we aren't meant to go through life alone. We're just not. You know, you hear the the saying, "It takes a village," right? And it's true. I, I think at a very basic level, we are supposed to surround ourselves with people to help support what we're doing and we've kind of went down this whole path of 
of tech. And I love tech. I love tech so much. And it makes it's a big part of my life. And we do so much in order to make life easier. But what, it, what I look at it as is we use these tools, which a lot of people kind of say, like, this is ruining our lives. I, I look at this as, okay, how can I use this as a tool to m- open up more of my time to interact with humans, right, on a human level? And so I think that that's why co-working is really taking off. I, I, there's, a, there's a certain practicality to it, obviously, and that may draw somebody in. But in my opinion, that's not what's going to keep people around. And I think right now there's a lot of this, like a lot of these co-working spaces that are opening that are purely a shared office space. But I think where we really shine is the human side of the business. Yeah, absolutely. Right, and that's that. I think is the like the true staying. That that's a that's the staying power of a business like ours is that when you're at home alone or you're at a coffee shop and you're dealing with a problem or you have a struggle that you're trying to go through. It it festers in your mind more and more. It becomes a bigger and bigger thing. And that's something which you just need to talk it out with somebody a lot of the time. Because chances are you're not the only person going through that problem, right? You're not the only person that's debating whether or not to pay rent or to, or to buy food or whatever the other... Or you're not the only person to receive a brown envelope from CRA uh, asking you to pay your GST, Right, and you're like, oh, I don't know what the hell GST is or how it works on the business side, you know. And so, I think it's important to be around those people that can help you get through the struggle, but also have a place to celebrate those wins and celebrate those victories. You know, it's it's easy to just look at your inbox and see the next customer bitching about something else, right? And you don't have a chance to celebrate that win. Uh, we're, we want that more and more now. And I think the reason that we all spend so much time on those things is because we're craving something. And when I think what the, that thing is, is it's, it's the human connection that a lot of us are losing. Yeah. And I, and I, and I really connect to that, you know, like I, um, I work in social services, so I, 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 I talk a lot about psychology and I talk a lot about, um, support systems. Um, especially for for young for young boys and for and for older male, um, and community is a big part of it. And you know when I'm when I'm thinking of like psychologically, that's like having a support system, having a place to that you feel comfortable, that you feel safe. But also, I think I think growth comes out of that. I would be remiss to not tie this into um, the way men kind of lack that sort of community. Do you see that in your space too where where I don't know if you connect to that to that same theme or not? Yeah, I think generally speaking, there's still something about this going back to the original conversation surrounding vulnerability, right? I think it is that well, I've got to be strong and I've got to be this guy that's got it all together and nothing is wrong ever, right? And I, so yeah, I think it's not necessarily in our space or I think it's just it's still a societal thing, right? And I think that comes down to transparency and vulnerability, and there's a lack of it. There is still something about this manly man bullshit that's still out there. <laughs> totally. You know, so yeah, I think it's certainly a prevalent thing. Great to see um, people moving away from working in silos and, and working into a shared space where 
like you said, like people can celebrate and people can uh, solve problems together. As as a person who who founded that place and to and really worked there, do you try to force those connections? Do you make space for those connections? Like, how do you how do you try to um, make two people that may not even talk to each other want to talk to each other? Good question. It's very very intentional, especially uh, on the onset. You know, one of the things that's in our onboarding checklist or experience, if you will, is making sure that we're introducing a new member to at least one other member. You know, and that's just like a tiny piece of where we spend our time, right? It's something where, yes, you need to know where where the washrooms are and how to print and how to get on the Internet and all that kind of stuff. But it is a big part of our focus is building not just not just connecting people directly and keeping an eye out for this person would be good to talk to this person but it's creating a culture and laying a foundation where people will do that on their own right because then they will hopefully do that not just in our space but outside of it which will pay dividends forever for them right so whether they even stay a member with us forever or not is a different story but i think at the end of the day it is I believe that nothing organic happens without intent. And I want to go back to something that you mentioned uh, in the last maybe a couple of questions ago that you said that um, when we were talking about privilege, you said, you know what, you, I want to I'll be, be able to give something out as well as, as taking some in. And I think you're doing something uh, that's really cool out in Calgary, the, the 100 men who give a damn project. Um, and I think, well, tell, tell me more about that, that project. Yeah, so 100 Men Who Give a Damn is a really simple concept. Uh, it's 100 guys. They get together four times a year. We meet at a brewery, a tool shed brewery uh, down in, in Calgary. Uh, Graham, one of the founders there, has become a very dear friend of mine because of 100 Men. Yeah, and we really, the idea is simple. It's you have 100 guys that come together once a quarter. There's three charities or three members that will pitch a charity that's important to them for some reason and as to why they could benefit for some from some cash every guy donates a hundred bucks directly to that charity so it's ten thousand dollars to a local charity four times a year and then at every meeting whatever charity received the money from the last one comes back and reports where that money went right and so they'll say this is where the money went this is how many kids it helped or this is how many things we gave away or this is what it did so you know you have uh you have 100 of the money going to a cause there's no administrative expenses or anything and they know exactly where it went so total transparency right 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 but i think ultimately so the money is great the money you know it's 40 grand a year which you know it's a it's a good it's a chunk of cash but at the same time like it's only 40 grand a year and so I think really our mission is to build an army of men who give a damn about the community and each other. Right, right, right. And so the way that we do that, and we're really switching things up here in, in December of this year, we're launching kind of what we're calling 2.0 of 100 men. So we're truly limiting it to 100 guys that are hyper committed and putting the, the financial piece of it on autopilot. And so we don't want to ever chase money or think about the money. We want to raise the money and all the good stuff that it can do. But where all of our efforts or 95% of our efforts are going to go is really building the relationships and the community with these 100 guys. Because that's where we can start to make generational change, right? Where 
guys start to connect with each other. Uh, they will learn about a charity that, that maybe they never heard about. So, for example, uh, there's a charity in Calgary called One uh, Brown Bagging for Calgary's Kids. And they make thousands of lunches every single day and deliver them to schools across the city for kids that go to school without a lunch. And so at one of our meetings, one of the members learned about this charity and thought it was amazing and took his family and went and made lunches or begged lunches for these kids. So he took his kids there and his kids asked, like, well, what are we doing? Like, what is the point of this? And it was an opportunity for him to explain. It's like, just because you take a lunch to school every day, like there are thousands of kids in this city that don't. And so all of a sudden, from a very young age, you're teaching acts of service. Right, right. right? You're giving perspective and understanding to an entirely new generation that's going to come up with giving back and perspective as just part of who they are. And that will have lasting effects on a community and a city and a family and whatever. And so that, to me, is the real power of 100 Men. The money side is great, but... You know that's where we can really make some significant difference. Yeah, absolutely, and I and I and I think it's a really cool um, concept. Tell me about these guys that are that want to be able to give out this, this bunch of money and help the community. It's really important that it's it's an every man's organization, right? It doesn't matter how old you are or what you do or what you wear or how it works or whatever. This is open to to anybody. The biggest thing that we're looking for is commitment at this point and we want a hundred guys that are solid rock solid committed to coming out every time and donating their hundred bucks so we have everybody from you know 19 year old kids that just graduated or people that are in their internships or doing in in a trade uh all the way to suits and ties from downtown and, and 60 70 year old people that and and the amazing thing is is that they all have something to teach each other. Right. And that's why I love that we do it at a brewery because yeah. it's like beer is is a great is like the world's greatest equalizer, right? Especially <laughs> you know? for guys, for Especially sure. for guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, and it's similar to coffee in a way, but it's it's always one of those two things, right? It's like, you know what? I like you. We should meet up and go for a beer. Or we should meet up and go for a coffee. Yeah, totally. <laughs> right? It's those two things that that bring people together. And so I uh, I believe that 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 really helps when people are there you walk in and it's it's a place where everybody can feel comfortable everybody can feel accepted and nobody has to feel intimidated well why did you want to do this like why you specifically said i want to take this project and do this i needed something more in my life i was searching for something to to either give more time or give more money or get involved or something and this other guy that I knew was looking at starting this up and he needed help. And so we got together and started this thing together. And what really excited, like the reason that I, when I saw it, I thought, you know what, that's the thing for me is that this can leverage my own efforts. Right. Right. So it's like, I can put in an hour and a half, four times a year, and I can put in a hundred dollars, but that on its own doesn't equate to a ton, but times that by a hundred people, and all of a sudden, that is some meaningful impact. Absolutely. So to me, I just want, you know, it ended up being something where I could leverage my own efforts. Uh, truthfully, I thought it wouldn't be that much time. And now, <laughs> <laughs> and now it's turned into much more than that. Oh, man, tell me about it. When I had to do, like, <laughs> projects, I'm just like, oh, this 
podcast won't be like two hours a week, whatever. No, it's turning <laughs> yeah. into like a full-time job. But I know I how you feel, it. yeah. <laughs> totally, man. No, you get it. And we all have that where it's like, you know, maybe we bit off more than we can chew, but it's like, you know, the, the it's it's worth it in the end. Absolutely. And so I think it's afforded me some really cool, on the selfish side, you know, it's afforded me some really cool opportunities and some really interesting connections. And so I think that that's just a positive byproduct of doing something good. I like that you mentioned that feeling of charity. And to understand that that charity doesn't just uh, give out good to others, but also makes you feel good too. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, charity, we always hope and we always think that charity is supposed to be this totally altruistic thing, right? Yeah. But in reality, let's be honest, it's like, you know, so if you're going to donate some money, it's like at the end of the day, the feeling of giving that money away is better than keeping the money in your pocket. And that's the reason that you do it. And that's okay, right? There's a certain psychological piece to that where, but but who's to say that we can't feel good about what we're doing either? Exactly. Right? Yeah, you know, totally. so there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's just important for us to acknowledge it, that it's like there is a certain selfish piece to this. It's just, it seems like it's a form of like self-care. It's, it really is. It's just yeah. like somewhere, like someone's doing something good. Yeah. Exactly. And I think it's important where, and whether that's coming from a place of, of gratitude or thankfulness that I have the ability to do this, whether it's time or money or both, I think it's okay that it feels good as well. Why, why men? Why, does, why specifically is it 100 men? There was a women's group that started before us. And so my co-founder said, well, what about men? <laughs> and so we did it. And I think that's it. I think, really, that's that's how it that's how it started as men. At, and I do believe that men need to have an opportunity to connect with other men, and hopefully in a slightly more more vulnerable state, right? Transparent, where this is where we're giving, and as much as we're at a brewery. Right and all that kind of stuff, which like it goes along with that. You know, we have meetings where it's very rare when we have a meeting where many or most of the men aren't crying. Yeah, and that's not a stereotypical masculine thing. Yeah, totally. And that's because we're creating a safe place for that to happen. And whether or not the rest of the world or there there are other places that should be a safe place for that to happen or not is not necessarily the point. Exactly. You know, we say give a damn, but at the end of the day, like that could be translated to care. And so I think if, if we're creating an environment where men are able to care and be vulnerable and be open and and share causes that they care about or connect with other men about struggles or where they're at in their life, then you know, that's something that we should probably do. It does kind of like break off that, that kind of stereotypical traditional part of it, and that, especially the comparative part of it, like you said, like... I think men become very competitive into whatever they do, even including charity, which yeah. is really funny. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> so it's like once you give everybody a level playing field. I want to spread the love to all my peeps from the Alberta Podcast Network because they have been working hard to provide some amazing local stuff. Also, I got a chance to make some new friends along the way, which is great. The network is up to 30 shows, and there's definitely something there for, for you or for anybody else that you know. For instance, there's a show called Ed, 
which talks about the ever-changing world of education, something I'm particularly super curious about. And there's also a show called The Walkcast, which is about walkability in urban neighborhoods. There's also another show called Press Start to Join, which is all about senior games. They're great, they're professional, and more importantly, they're very passionate. So please go give them some love at the Alberta Podcast Network. You can check that out at the Alberta Podcast Network.com. So that's Alberta Podcast Network.com. I know we touched upon it at, like, at least five times now, but the word <laughs> vulnerability has right. come as a, as a theme to this interview, I think. Um, what does vulnerability mean to you? I think in a lot of ways it means being honest with yourself and with others, and it's okay that things aren't perfect because chances are what you're going through is nothing that somebody else hasn't went through. It means that it's okay to cry, right? It's okay to admit that you don't necessarily have all the answers or that everything's not okay. So I think vulnerability just means breaking down a wall. Are there ways where you practice that vulnerability in a very intentional way? Yeah. To be honest, I, um, with my security company... As I mentioned, in that industry in general, it's it's an industry built, to, like figuratively and literally, of like building walls. Yeah, right. <laughs> True. <laughs> Even virtual walls. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and I think that that's I saw a lot of the negative side effects, both personally and in the industry of that. And so, with Work Nicer, it was very important to me that this was a culture of transparency and honesty. And we can't encourage that without living it on our own. So there's very little about our business that people don't know. They know when we're not sure of something. They know when we're uncomfortable with something. And they know our thought process behind decisions that are being made. They know that we're going through the same shit that they're going through in terms of figuring it out. So far, so good. And I think we're doing a very good job. And a lot of people would agree with us. In a lot of ways, that's super vulnerable because I think a lot of a lot of people would look at that and say, well, you're giving a, we're essentially giving away our playbook. Yeah, pretty much. Right? Yeah. And that's something to me which, in business, you just don't do. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and especially in a world of oil and gas, which is hyper-competitive and nobody shares anything. But... I just believe that intent will will reign supreme, right? Right, and I think if you're doing it for the right reasons and you're doing it the right way, you will win. I often say we're a business that's built on karma. I've heard so many times where somebody sees this, they're watching Dragon's Den, and like, oh, I had that idea three years ago. I totally could be a millionaire today. I'm like, no, you couldn't. <laughs> Because you didn't. Exactly. Right? Exactly. You had the idea and you didn't execute on it. And that's okay. Maybe it's not for you. Or maybe this will force you to execute on your next idea. But it's the same kind of thing where I believe that vulnerability, transparency, honesty, which I consider very similar things, are how people, a lot of people want to interact and live now, I think. And it's just comfortable. There's no games. Does that bleed into your personal life as well, too? that kind of intent of vulnerability it does now yeah i again i think in the security business uh it was it was total opposite i was never outwardly vulnerable or openly vulnerable 
pronounced. Yeah, I think so. I think I mean, I, I don't live any differently uh, at work than I do at home. You know, I think everybody knows everything, and I think that's because I am reacting to my previous experience of of being of having these walls around me, and I just didn't like that. Right, it just like looking back and being honest with myself, it was just something which wasn't an enjoyable life, and so it's just like, well, I'm, I didn't like that thing, so now I'm gonna change that thing, right? right like it's right. not, it's really quite simple. I think it's just being like very aware with yourself and being honest with yourself and looking at your situation, and saying, well, again, I can either change the situation or change how I react to it. This is one of those things that I can change, and so I'm going to choose to change it. Those walls that you speak of, um, were there any type of uh, personal barriers that you had to kind of break through to get to, to that space where you are right now? So I'd say it's kind of a household personal thing. And so my wife is a teacher. She gets paid well in Alberta, which is great. And I think being okay with for a period of time like or forever perhaps like she is the breadwinner so to speak and that is a traditionally male role yeah right and so as much as i've went out and done all these different things and built this business and whatever you know it's because of getting over this personal barrier at home where it's it's okay that you know this business isn't going to make money at first and i'm not going to pay myself at first and you know it's it in a lot of ways, and I've had conversations with a lot of guys that say, I could never do that, right? I couldn't not be the one that... I couldn't make less money. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's not a team thing. Yeah. Right? And this is a this is a team thing, right? Like, my wife and I were a team. And I don't know if she'll necessarily be stoked if she if I like never paid myself anything ever yeah. right I think we're all we're, we're working together towards a long term thing right yeah yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> but yeah I think that that was a big mind shift especially coming from the security industry which in it a lot of people make a lot of money and again it's about perception and it's about the things you have and all that stuff and so yeah I think it was a big pill to swallow starting the security business and not having that same thing. And at that time, actually, she went back to school to get her second degree in education. And that was also tough, too, where it's like, man, like she's she's going to school and she's working a part-time job while I'm trying to build this business. And it's, it, was, it was tough, right? It was really tough to build that and admit that, I can't do it on my own. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, yeah, that was... But it was also fine. Once once you got to that point, once you did it, it's like, oh, yeah, okay. She's she's like, I'm in. Or whatever, right? Yeah. And, she, and she's always been there. But it's a matter of just having that conversation. I, it's just a number of years ago now, but really looking back, like that was a big mental shift for me where, say, I can't do it all on my own. No, I appreciate that, Alex. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I appreciate you being uh, perspective on this and uh, uh, introspective. I think that's the word I was looking for. Um, and you, and it's interesting that that I can I can link to this. Like we did a the, the Alberta Men's Network just did a, a survey like two years ago, um, and we asked a lot of guys, "What does masculinity mean to you?" 
And a lot of them said uh, protector or financer or like head of the household kind of things. And I always worry about like what happens if you're not that person anymore? What happens if you are being taken away from that because of the economy or whatever happens, right? And you yeah. want to do something else. Like that That definitely takes a hit to your your, your self-esteem and, and your perceptions as a man. Well, especially if that's how you define yourself. Absolutely, yeah. Right? And I don't think that anybody should. Mm-hmm. It's okay if that happens to be the situation, right? If you... I think it's important to be able to, yeah, to, to feel strong and independent that you can take care of yourself and others around you. If you define yourself as being masculine and being mas- and masculinity is tied to protector and financer, that is a pretty fragile state. Absolutely, yeah. Because a totally. lot of things can change. Yeah. Right. And so I think at the end of the day, it's really important to to be a lot more introspective and find. You got to become more self aware. Because you're more than that. Even if those are true, there's more to the story, right? There's more layers that are there. And this is why I love vulnerability and uncomfortability or discomfort. Because that's that's where growth and change happens. And I think all too often we get in this state of just being comfortable. And nothing changes if you're comfortable, and you just get into routine, and I think routine is particularly dangerous. And it just doesn't move. You, you don't move forward. And if you're not moving forward, I don't think you're moving the world around you forward. And then what's the point? Totally. No, that's, that's really, really cool. And I guess on the theme of moving forward, what are your goals for Work Nicer? What are your goals for, um, for yourself for later on? I really struggle with goals. <laughs> <laughs> I do. It's funny because... A lot of times, I think, especially in business, people say, okay, what are your goals? Uh, How many, like with Work Nicer, do you want to open other locations? How many? By when? How many members? How much revenue? And I'm just like, I don't care about those things as much as I want the business to grow. So my, but I, so I think if we end up with a lot of any of those things, then good for us. But I think if we're going to do it, it's going to be because we're not just growing for the sake of growing. We're growing for the right reasons. Right. And so, again, I don't think anything organic happens without intent. So we are constantly taking steps forward in multiple directions to see what's next. And sometimes we're walking in a certain direction and it no longer makes sense to take the next step. And so we'll close that door and go look at another one. And so that could mean changing our layout in our current space. That could be expanding in the building that we're in. That could be maybe opening another location in Calgary or in another city. It's, it's really reverse from traditional business forecasting, which is a tricky spot to be in because, again, we want to make sure that it's not just like we're out there waiting in the water hopefully we're going to bump into something i think there's there is more intent behind it but it's it's important to do what's right for our members first and so i think as long as we're adding value to our members and having impact on our members we're going to continue moving forward personally i'm i'm fully invested in in work nicer uh oh actually i mean and 100 men and 
But to me, it's about it's about impact, and it's about legacy without the ego. You know, I think I I used to hate the word legacy, but I'm working with one of our members right now who's a she's a change manager, mm. and she's running our internal team through a pilot project that we're looking at rolling out to all of our members. And she talks about what is your Everest. So we hear a lot about like what is your why. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, what is your Everest? What is like the ultimate thing like beyond your why? What's the next thing? And I've kind of struggled with it. And in my conversations with her, she came up. Well, I kind of came up with, with the word impact. And she came up with this word legacy. Right away, I'm like, nope, I don't like it. Because I feel like there's ego tied to that. And yeah, I don't yeah, give yeah. a shit about that. Yeah. Uh, but then she kind of explained to me and say, well, what if you're helping other people and other members like, build their legacies or build their impact or whatever? And so I, I'm coming around to the idea of that term. But I think that's what it is. is that at the end of the day, it's, again, leaving this place better than we found it and having a net positive on the world. Uh, at the end of the day, I think that that's, that's from a personal perspective, that is it. You know, obviously, um, that also, I mean, applies to family and being the best husband I can be. And if we ever have kids, being the best father I can be. And I think that that's all tied into that. What we're doing is having a positive impact on our members and it's changing lives and businesses. Then we have a responsibility to share that with others as well. And so we'll see where that goes and how that shakes out. So again, a long semi non answer to your question. Or maybe it is a good answer. I don't know, but that's kind of where my head goes. Always a good answer. That I feel like, from what I'm hearing from you, is that you want to. I think that I, I tie it back to something that you said earlier was that that building the village part of it, like the village raises a child. And yeah. uh, um, I think you're right. Like legacy does seem kind of attached to ego, but it. <laughs> I think of it. I'm like, well, you're gonna be you're gonna have an impact with somebody else, anyways. Right. Like, what kind of impact are you gonna have with them? And I think that's going to be your legacy for later on. So You're right. You're totally right. And it, I think, like, and so Jane, this member I was talking about, that, she challenged me when I said that. And she said, like, look up the definition of legacy, right? And so I think actually in a way it has one definition is a very negative connotation, <laughs> which is funny. But it's not really tied to ego in the way that we've started to tie ego to it and so so yeah i don't know if I, that's a word this is this is actually the first time i've ever like besides her like talked to somebody about that but so we'll see where that shakes out in the yeah. next month or two and if that's a word i choose or how i tie it but yeah yeah that's great no that's that's really cool i'm, I'm glad you're verbalizing it that's really cool <laughs> uh, that, there that's vulnerable <laughs> that's that? totally vulnerable that's totally vulnerable <laughs> Um, so my last question for you, and this is a question I ask all of my guests, if there's a piece of advice that you have taken in or that you wanted to give out to other guys, uh, what would it be? The, one of the biggest things, other than what we've already talked, touched on a lot of this stuff. That's what we talked about before we started recording was, you know, it's going to be interesting because we're, we're going to hit a lot of that along yeah. the way. Yeah, totally. But I think one thing, and we've been talking about it a lot recently in a circle of us that work nicer I think if it's, especially to men, uh, be okay with crying. You know, I think at the end of the day, I think that's like, in a lot of ways, the ultimate vulnerability. Right, right. Even though it shouldn't be. And I think as soon as you do that, you can be really honest with yourself and honest with others. And I think being uncomfortable, yeah, again, is, is one of the biggest things. So I think cry more and be okay with discomfort. I try to do this in, in, the, in, the, in the, the groups that I have with the guys and just I 
<laughs> I, I run this like drop-in men's group. I help run it, and then um, wow. I I give out like a like a Kleenex box. It's always right in the front there, and Ugh. the guys are like. Like just in case if anybody cries, and like they're like, no, I'm not gonna cry. I'm not gonna cry. Guaranteed, one of them, at least one of them, <laughs> will cry at awesome. the end of the, the thing. So, um, yeah, absolutely. And they usually feel good about it. They're just like, yeah, this is something that I've never or never done, or just something that it feels good for them. And I think you you hit on a, a really good. Type. So, do they ever circle back with you after? Like, is, is that like when you say like, it feels good, but then how much does that? translate into the rest of their life like is that often like a like a pivotal moment or a moment where they will draw back on um that's a good question i don't know if that's something like i want to try to ask them later on but it once like the first one comes out i think it's easier for them to to kind of that happens more often more often exactly and then you see other guys will do the same thing and or they will look at the other guys and just and you can see them just kind of swiping away a tear bit and you're like I, I know this hits them and I know like yep. and it's usually something really deep and big that's something that's finally like either they had never released it or they have released it before but they have cried in a private space and they don't they feel a little bit of shame about it. And exactly. I don't want them to feel shame. I think it's totally natural for somebody to cry. It is, man. It is completely natural. Again, it, it is that uncomfortability piece and, and maybe that's the root of it more than anything else than cry more. It's like, well why? And I think it probably because that makes you feel uncomfortable. That might make people around you feel uncomfortable. And I think, again, it's ultimate uncomfortability, getting outside of your comfort zone and doing something that, and, and not just like do something that makes you feel uncomfortable. I mean, like truly like do something that is, is ultimately vulnerable. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. that is where serious growth for you and the people around you is going to happen. And that allows you to take control that take it allows you to take control of what you're doing or where you're going or what your path is rather than just being along for the ride alex thank you so much for doing this this is so this is so cool <laughs> thanks man no i really appreciate it wasn't sure exactly how to go down but I, i'm really stoked to have had the chance so thank you very much no i appreciate it um alex you, if you're in calgary you can find work nicer What's the website they can, they can go to? Website? Yeah. Uh, worknicer.ca. .ca. And then we're just on all social, just at worknicer. And you can find the stuff that, that Alex is doing at alexputisi.ca. Uh, it's just putisi.com. Putisi. So P-U-T-I-C-I.com. Perfect. And you can also find how you can sign up for um, 100 Men Who Give a Damn. Um, out in Calgary. If you're in Edmonton, they, we also have a, a same type of group here. Um, but check out what he's doing. It's it's really cool stuff, and uh, I encourage you to join it. Uh, um, Alex, thanks again. Awesome. Thank you. That's Modern Manhood for this week. Thank you to Alex Pudisi for coming down from Calgary and meeting me in person. You know, he was very, very insistent that we should meet in person instead of doing this online. And I appreciate that. I thought that was a really cool gesture. Um, you can check out all the projects that Alex is going on at putici.com. So it's P-U-T-I-C-I.com. Or just talk to him in person. If you're in Calgary, go check out Work Nicer. Um, he's there most of the time. Also, a huge shout out to District Cafe here in Edmonton for being super nice about recording there and for making some awesome coffee. They do. They have some amazing coffee. All episodes of Modern Manhood can be found at modernmanhood.org. 
And it's also broadcasting at gradio.ca, as we mentioned before. On the next Modern Manhood, we're going to talk about sex and masculinity. It's going to be super fun. I'm so excited. So, we'll hope to see you next time on Modern Manhood. <laughs>